Thank you so much for tuning in to the Lily Podcast for its very first season. We will be taking a short break before season two. In the meantime, while the Lily Podcast is on break, we will be running episode replays. So without further ado, here we go. Okay, so I am here with the lovely Miss Arlene, and I'm excited to hear her testimony <laughs> because I have never heard it before. Mm-hmm. I've heard bits and pieces just like lightly. I think you shared once at Fellowship, and I heard a couple things from a couple other people, but never in full, so I'm excited. Thank you for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited, too. Um, I don't know what part of my testimony would, you know, minister to people, but it's really the testimony of Jesus Christ, how he's faithful and he's good and how he keeps you and transforms lives. Yes, that's what it's about, transformation, okay? Miss Arlene, how long have you been saved now? Um, Believe it or not, actually saved, it has been, I'm counting, about... Eight and a half years. Okay. So I wouldn't say I was saved. I felt I was born saved because I grew up in church (laughs) in the religious system. But I would say really about eight and a half, nine years. Okay. Can you tell us about life before Jesus? Or maybe I should say, because, you know, you said you feel like you were born saved, right? (laughs) So maybe I should say, what does life look like before those eight and a half, nine years? And you can start from wherever you feel comfortable. Wow. Well, (laughs) there's a lot to say since I've lived more than 10, 20 years on earth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um. Life was, uh, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, traditional Christian home. My dad was a pastor, um, grew up with all the traditions. They were Baptist, so, you know, they were Southern Baptist, so it was the scriptures and everything else, and they weren't uh, from America. So my parents were from Trinidad and Tobago, so we had a lot of culture and tradition that I grew up with. And so on the surface, people would say, you know, I grew up in a wonderful Christian home. We went to church Sundays. Everything looked good. Mm -hmm. But on the inside of the home, you know, it was very highly dysfunctional, Mm. highly dysfunctional home. Uh, There was a lot of things that happened in childhood, uh, um, not from my father, but from uncles and other people. You know, I was molested uh, from probably the ages of, six, seven, eight, nine, till I was about 12. Then I was raped at 14. Um, So I had a lot of traumatic things happen. And then if we took the spiritual side of that, um, there was generational curses. There was a lot of witchcraft um, because there was the mixture. When you grew up in a Caribbean home, there's a lot of mixture that people think is Christian between... um, you have like Christianity, Catholicism, but you also have witchcraft mixed in there. Mm-hmm. And people don't know that that's witchcraft. You think that's normal. You know, they're saying, oh, pray with the Bible open. You have to say this or say that. Do different things. And so um, I was actually started, was, was taught by demons and practiced witchcraft from when I was six years old. Oh, wow. So I had, um, there was just a lot of that going on. So the, you know, the sexual abuse and everything else kind of tied in with that because witchcraft is a lot of transference of spirits through sex. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, moving forward. <laughs> so you're wondering how I got saved, how did you get saved? <laughs> but on the surface, like I said, we're going to church. Everything looks good. Um, highly dysfunctional home. Mm-hmm. A lot of abuses going on. Um, and uh, there's more. There are a lot of layers of, of, of stuff. So I knew that God existed. Yeah. I just absolutely, because my first memory was from before I was born. I was in my mother's womb, and I remember awakening in the womb and the presence of God. That was all I knew. So I knew he existed, but it didn't match what was going on. And I remember I kept crying out. I kept thinking, you know, I believed the scriptures. I believed that we could command creation, so I spoke to things. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, you have devils training you, controlling you, manipulating you, you know, all this stuff. Um, fast forward, you know, then I moved in, then, you know, trying to get free of that, you know, marry the first guy who you think (laughs) would love you to get out of the home and everything else. Uh, so I got married very young Mm -hmm. and, uh, thought I was getting into a better situation and ended up in a worse situation. So now I was, you know, going through, uh, an abusive marriage, you know, physical, sexual, et cetera, emotional, all that stuff. Um, so, you know, and I remember just hearing in the background, it was like the enemy was saying, I told you we'd get you because I was trying to get out of all that witchcraft and stuff. And it was like, we told you we'd get you. So, you know, uh, even my first, our first month or so of marriage, witches were calling me and threatening me saying, you know, if you don't come back, (laughs) you know, this and this would happen, that and that would happen. So my first encounters, you know, I always grew up, um, you know, uh, what is it? leaving your body and things like that. Mm. And deja vu was kind of normal and uh, demonic dreams and manifestations are all our homes were haunted Mm. (laughs) when I was growing up. Um, So there wasn't, there was kind of a thin line between the natural and the supernatural. Would you say that that's something that you were just kind of more sensitive to, or is it because of the things that were, that you were partaking in? I think it was generational as well. Okay. It was generational. Um, so, you know, I kept crying out to God. I kept believing God. Uh, he was sustaining me. I had no support. You know, now we have, you know, a community. We have brethren. But, you know, when you grow up in a traditional church, you know, people are basically raised to be phony. You, mm-hmm. you know, we speak Christianese. You know, you walk into church and you smile and you say, you know, hallelujah, praise the Lord. How was your week going? We use all the Christianese terms, but meanwhile, your house is a mess. Mm -hmm. You know, there's fighting, there's drugs or whatever it is people are doing Mm -hmm. in their homes behind closed doors. And, um, people are miserable. Yeah. People are actually miserable. So that's what I thought marriage (laughs) was supposed to be just these experiences. Okay. You endure, that you endure, you know, keep the stiff upper lip, as they would say, mm-hmm. and you endure it. It's not about love. It's about keeping your word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, that was that was kind of it. So in the midst of that, you know, we were the, what is it, poster children for every single marriage counselor they ever had wow. at church because we were the one, not poster in a good way, poster oh. like in, oh, we have a new marriage counselor. Let's give them this couple, who's always the trouble couple. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> the trouble couple. Um, let's give them this one, because, you know, we don't know what to do with them. Um, so we went through different marriage counselors. There was um, 
you know, I was always the bad guy because I was always up front. I decided I, I'm not a hypocrite. I'm not a phony. What you see is what you get. I'm not going to fake it. I don't fake it for anybody. Mm-hmm. I maybe said too much <laughs> information. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you ask me how my day was going, I'd really tell you. Mm-hmm. And whereas, you know, my ex, on the other hand, would not was not so forthcoming. So everybody was like, oh, you're married to such a nice guy. He's a nice guy. I'm thinking, you don't nice guy (laughs) what are you out of your minds you know this guy's not nice he's actually i think you know a few screws might be missing and uh the abuse was you know was intense and um i remember feeling you know because of the childhood because of everything that had happened i always thought i wasn't worth anything Mm. worthless I didn't think I was attractive. I didn't think anybody would want me. I didn't think I was loved. Rejection was just built in to my life. And depression, fighting depression, suicide from when I was like nine, uh, different attempts at suicide, um, all these sort of things, you know, just kind of trying to just go through the motions, many days not wanting to be around. And I would say the first... Um, I was in the middle of a abusive situation with, you know, the ex and he had me pinned up against the wall again and was, uh, was, he would take his fist, he'd punch like near your face, mm-hmm. punch holes into the wall around my head. And he's holding me by my throat. And I remember he's saying, you know, all sorts of horrible things. And that was the first time I heard the voice of the Lord shouting over his voice into my right ear. That's not what I call you. That's not who I say you are. And I was like, what? Huh? That's not what you think of me? Because somewhere deep down I thought, well, maybe this is what God thinks of me too. Mm. That I'm worthless. That I'm not worthy of anything. That I shouldn't even be alive. Throughout these experiences, I know you said that was the first time, but was your relationship with Jesus established while going through all of this? I was a believer. Yeah. So I believed. I stood on the scripture where it was the widow with the unjust judge. Mm-hmm. So I would go, but I had no assurance God would answer me, but he did. I I experienced we experienced miracles. I mean, I many miracles. So I was always crying out to the Lord. There were times I put the bills out and said, Okay, Jesus, this, 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 I don't know how we're gonna do this. Mm-hmm. And he provided. We had um my ex had also been unemployed a number of times. Um seven we had a period where he was unemployed uh, more than two years three years straight and I remember it was around the Thanksgiving and I pray I was asking I said Lord okay I don't know what we're gonna do about food here and there was a knock at the door like a day later and I opened the front door and the entire porch was covered with bags and bags of food Wow! and I couldn't see who had delivered it I'm looking around and I'm like I don't see anybody, (laughs) bags and bags of food. And the food lasted for over a year, over a year. So I saw real miracles. Um, You know, at the same time, I was part of a music ministry, you know, worship. We did outreach. We sang to people in jails, Rikers Island, all over, and uh, all over the tri-state area. And, um, you know, we saw that one time with food, too where we had made the sandwiches. We had mm-hmm. so much money to make food, and we were, we were doing it at a park, a public park, 
our outreach and um we said, okay, we got one cooler full of sandwiches. We have a cooler. We made the, the, this meat. And we're going to be grilling all day, and we're offering <laughs> free food. And we started around 9 in the morning. And I remember, like, seeing, like, in the clouds across in the sky. And that food, and we saw some big families, and people are coming for first, second, thirds. We figured after the first hour, it would be done. The food never ran out. Mm. The sandwiches never ran out. The drink. I was like, what are they? We didn't, nobody ran to the store. Nobody had a store <laughs> run in between. And they were grilling all day. They were dripping sweat. The guys had to take breaks. And they were feeding every family. It was a beautiful, sunny day. Every family that came to that park, seconds and thirds. And we were watching. I said, didn't we just have two, three coolers? What, like, what's going on? Mm. And I was like, this is the feeding of the 5,000. Oh, my God. <laughs> in modern times. Um, you know, and I went to church telling them, like, you don't know what happened yesterday when we did outreach you know i'm telling this excited and um people are like yeah they just <laughs> dismissed it mm-hmm. i was like no you don't understand so moving forward so now you're saying okay so i was a believer yeah i believed i was in ministry at church you know i'm in leadership and all this stuff um but in my heart i kept saying god it reached a place where i said lord i'm turning over my marriage to you i'm done with the marriage counselors because obviously, and I said, you created marriage, so I'm giving you this marriage. I've been crying out to you. I have no idea if you'll answer me, but I just keep coming anyway. I'm going to keep coming and, you know, you answer me, but I don't know. <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. When you, were do- when you were going to, like, the marriage counselors and everything, did they know what was happening, like, behind closed doors? They didn't believe me. People didn't oh. believe me. Because if you had met him, there was no way they would think that about him he was not a guy who would come across as somebody who does that mm. nobody would believe that so and uh you know so they so i was the bad guy and um and then what would happen why we'd end up with new marriage counselors is because i would follow whatever instructions they gave he would never do it and that's when they start to see hey maybe he's not what he says mm. the moment they would kind of see that that was the end of marriage counseling he would come that was it it was over so then next person you know you know it was just one of those roller coaster things um so yeah i was saying moving forward so i finally said okay lord you created marriage i'm done talking to another man another person you know we've gone through we've been at this church for over 25 years we've gone through about five marriage councils we've gone through pastors we've gone through everybody i'm done Mm -hmm. so i'm going to go to you you're the one who created marriage. I'm coming to you. And I was done with a lot of things because I'd grown up in church. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, and I said to the Lord, I said, this is the last church I'm ever going to be in because if this is not it, I am done. Mm-hmm. I'm finished. I don't want to be at another building. I don't care what they say. I'm not coming. And I started looking around and saying, is this all there is? Is this all I'm going to do? You come to church every Sunday. You know, I had questions. I was yeah. like, how is it that the Holy Spirit, so wait a minute, everybody all across the country, they have a service at, I don't care if they have the 10 o'clock or the 8 o'clock or the 9, how is it that every service, because, you know, it's part of worship, um, it's 30 to 40 minutes, it's going to be a fast song, a medium song, and then we have a slow, you know, entering into his presence song, and maybe you get into a fourth song. And I said, well, how is it that the Holy Spirit comes 
all across the country at the same time. And then he stops at exactly 30, 40 minutes so they could do announcements. Mm-hmm. I said, that doesn't, I don't know, that seems, you know, God, is, do yeah. you do it like, is that, is that you? Fishy. Something's a little fishy <laughs> about that. So I started questioning, you know, and then I realized I was doing a song where we were singing the scripture, you know, and they say they receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I thought, hmm, they were one way before, you know, I'm thinking of Paul, you know, all the disciples, and then there are these people on fire mm-hmm. after. Yeah. And I was thinking, they were totally different. But I'm still here. I think I'm a Christian, you know. I'm still struggling with depression. I'm still struggling with all these things. I'm still struggling with weight, with all sorts of stuff. And I was thinking, well, I think I'm transformed, but how come I'm not changed like that? Yeah. Like they're on fire after. They're totally different men. And so that started bothering me. Mm -hmm. And in the meanwhile, you know, that's there's a whole story how I end up meeting um, David Tyree, who wasn't Pastor David at the time. Uh, he was still, you know, I think he'd just coming out of, you know, the football, the NFL was still in it. And I was asking God, I said, you know, I was really asking God, do you still do what I see in the scripture? Or I see miracles. I see, you know, Elijah with the prophets of Baal. And that was the thing. That I said that he's so confident in you, Lord, that He's just, he's not even doing a real prayer, like what we would call a prayer. He kind of just says, you know, a couple of words to you and, you know, fire comes down and burns up the sacrifice and the altar. And I said, these guys were going to kill him if you didn't do that. You know, I was like, (laughs) how do you get to know God like that? Mm, And I was like, it's a good question. Are you still that? Or is what I'm seeing at church, is this all there is? And I said, this mediocrity. And then I was like, sorry, Lord, if this is all there is. But um, this mediocrity, this is so dead. This is why am I the same motion? I've gone to different churches. This is the second one. I'm tired of this. You know, is there a way to know you, the God of the Bible? Or is this all there is? And that was the question. I couldn't say it out loud because, I mean, I'm in leadership. You're supposed to have Jesus. You're supposed to know all this, you know, so I'm. Asking God privately yeah. <laughs> in my heart. Put on a show. Right. Well, I'm like, I don't know. But, and I don't know the answer to that. I didn't know the answer at that time. Meanwhile, the Lord had been orchestrating meeting people. So um, there's a guy who, uh, named Hubie, who's a prophet. But I had never really met a real, or at least I didn't know I'd met a prophet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know, you know, I wasn't in churches where they did that. Nobody was prophesying. Nobody was casting out the devil. Nobody was speaking in tongues. People weren't emotional. Mm-hmm. You know, you sang hymns, and you sang them all the verses. And you sang properly. You didn't raise your voice. You sang between your teeth. You did not get emotional. I think I had one side said, you know, I'm really going to sing this song in church when I was growing up. And it was a whole uproar. It was a whole uproar. I actually sang and closed my eyes. People were like, she's trying to, people were looking at me. It was like a whole scene. (laughs) That's so unfortunate. (laughs) It was a whole scene. My mother's like embarrassed. You know, it was like, you know, she sang (laughs) and, you know, was in a whisper. So, um, so I was coming from all of that. Very conservative. You don't, you know, you're very proper. You, all those things, you know, you keep that 
up and, um, you know, whatever's happening behind closed doors, you don't share. So I was like too honest mm. and I would share with her, you want to hear what's really going on? And I would say too much. So, um, you know, but God was drawing me and I just kept thinking, I, I, I think I was, I was disappointed. I was angry at God for a number of years. Cause I was like, why did you allow this to happen and that to happen and all these horrible things to happen? And I was like, I thought you were sovereign. Can't you control your people? Can't you? I mean, you're this strong and mighty God because I really believed God was who he said he was. Mm -hmm. And I was disappointed that I wasn't seeing it in anything or anyone around me. I was like, can't you control your people? You know, how could the pastor go up there and he's having an affair? How could this one do that? Uh, I was, so I was angry. And that was, and there was that disappointment. But yet at the same time, I was like, come on, God, you know, I really want to know you. I know it can't, it can't be this. You can't be that. You can't hate us that much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, that's what I was thinking. So wow. um, uh, I'm trying to condense so many things into one little thing. Yeah, I know, I know it's difficult. It's like, where do I even begin? But, okay, so you're basically questioning and wanting the more. Yeah. So how did the more come about? Or even maybe first take us through, like, the instance where you say, God, I'm giving you my marriage. What ended up happening? So I'd met David who uh, and Leah, his wife, Leila. He was the first person who told me, you're not saved. I was like, mm. what? Yeah. Don't you know? <laughs> But God, you don't know what God, I remember, I would argue with him all the time. I would go, don't, you don't know what God has done for me. Because I was like, I've seen miracles. I've seen this. I've seen that. Who are you to tell me Jesus is coming and save my life from, um, at one point, the ex um, actually trying to physically kill me. I wasn't even to save me. I was like, what do you mean? I don't know. God, how dare you tell me that? But somewhere deep down, I knew he was right. Mm -hmm. But I, my brain could not connect to what he was saying. Yeah. You know, and this was so far removed from anything I had experienced or known. So I was arguing with him. I would argue with him. Like, I would call him up to argue with him. Oh, my goodness. I would call him every day and argue with him. If he didn't answer in the morning, like, okay, you don't know me, Joker. I will be tracking you down. <laughs> I'll call you in the afternoon. I'll call you in the evening. Eventually, he started answering my calls because I was like, I'm unrelenting because, you, because you're telling me I'm not <laughs> saved. <laughs> And I'm calling and I'm arguing with him. Wow. And, and you know, that was our routine for quite a while. <laughs> um, every day. And that was when I came in. You know, I'm coming. I'm doing everything. Uh, they said they had a checklist. Don't give a teacher a checklist. Mm. Or a student, you know, you're being a good student. So you think, okay, I took that class. I did that. I did that. Okay, I'm good. Mm -hmm. And you don't realize that it's, you know, more. it's a growing. There's more. There's the more. And, um so, you know, there, there is a mutual person who I don't even know. I ended up meeting, there. I was invited to his house. I ended up meeting uh, David and Leila there. And um, I invited them to our church at the time. And then nothing came of it. And it was like about a year. Mm -hmm. And in that year, God was putting people together. So I didn't hear anything from him. You know, put him out of my mind. Whatever, I'm moving on at my church and at the same time god was working on my heart moving me towards him and asking the question mm -hmm. and so by the time i hit the point where i say you know is this all there is is the way to get to know you um 
you know, David and Leanne had popped back up. They are, they came to our church at this point and I recognize hey you know how you're doing and Leila's first question she goes I understand that you're looking for God nobody knows I'm asking that except mm-hmm. God so I was like you have me at hello <laughs> <laughs> just tell me where when and how I mean I had traveled across the country I'd gone to IHOP because I thought oh he's over there so I'm gonna go over there uh, I'm gonna spend a whole weekend and you know, maybe that's where I'm supposed to be. So I was in, in pursuit. Mm-hmm. And that desperation was building because I was like in pursuit. I saw a glimpse and I was like, oh, that's what it looks like. I need that. I need that. So, you know, they we started where we were going to their house. I could still go to my church because it worked out the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> so I was there, you know, Friday services, Sunday services. And then David and Leila, it was Friday after like later at night so and they were 50 minutes away so uh I'd go over there and I was like oh I'm free to worship which is what I had wanted Mm -hmm. and that was another thing going on there I am trying to really worship I would really worship and that's not limited by the time limit they gave yeah so I would get in trouble for like I would close my eyes and ignore the sound guys ignore the camera (laughs) signals because I'm like no we're entering to worship Jesus is about to show up and there were moments he did, you know. So then I would do the women's, they had a women's team, and um, and they had us doing that. So there was so there was some, you know, glimpses of Jesus kept showing up, showing up. In other words, and as uh, Pastor David ended up saying to me, he said he was giving you breadcrumbs. He kept, you know, dropping in those little breadcrumbs throughout your life, so you kept coming, you kept going, you kept going. So he had a teacher, and his teacher was named Brian, mm-hmm. and he had, They'd been given instruction, you know, to invite people to their home. And Brian came, and it was the first time, because I was in a Messianic congregation, by the way, at that point. Yeah, I know. You're like, this. that's why I said there's so much that, <laughs> there's so much I'm trying to, like, how do I bring in this piece and that? Because they're all interrelated, all these pieces. Um, so have fun editing. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, so where I was going was a Messianic congregation. I'll have to tell how I ended up there. So my ex, um, well, actually, he thought he had Jewish roots, or I thought he did. It actually turns out I, I did. Mm. But I didn't know that. I didn't care. Um, okay. Because in the Caribbean, they have a lot of, you know, uh, you have a lot of mixture and everything else. And my mother had mysterious. I said, well, where did these people come from? How did this? And there were certain traditions and stuff. So I suspect she had some Jewish background. But anyway, that wasn't why I ended up there. So I ended up there because the ex, he uh, heard these the, the, a radio program where these people were sharing. And he said, oh, wow, this is, you know, it sounds like the real thing. And he went, the, they had a Seder. And I said, a what? And, you know, I didn't even know what that was. I don't know what that is. And that's where they, for Passover, it's basically the Passover meal. Okay. Where they are um, remembering their, uh, how the, uh, well, how the uh, children of Israel were rescued from Egypt. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with the Passover lamb, the blood on the doors. Um, so there's a meal, basically it's a Seder meal that does the, does the remembrance okay. of all of that. And all the plagues, they, you know, you have different parts of it where you go through all the plagues and all the things and why you're eating horseradish and different things and the matzah 
you know, and you could see how it was tied into Christ, that the matzah, why it's striped is because, and pierced, is because Jesus is our sacrifice lamb. Mm -hmm. He was pierced, he was bruised, he was, you know, all that stuff. But, so, anyway, he went to this place, and he was saying something, and I was like, I don't remember washing dishes, and I told him I drew a line at the sink, like, you may be going back to your roots, but I'm not going there with you, you know, I'm here, I'm Christian, you know, I'm not doing any of that stuff. So eventually, you know, he kept visiting, and I reluctantly went with him, and I told him I'm going to be in my most black militant form. I had my hair up. I never wear pants because, you know, I grew up, you know, you wear skirts and dresses. Oh, I'm wearing pants, suit. <laughs> I'm coming in there. I said, they go, I remember talking to them across. I said, they go to make me sit in the women's section. I'm telling you right now, I'm standing up. And I'm, they're not going to make me sit in any women's section. <laughs> so I'm walking across that lot thinking, well, this way, then you won't be invite me again because I'd have gone. They'd have thrown me out. We're good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and I walked in and it wasn't anything like that. Mm. It was, I was like, where is everybody actually? <laughs> and, <laughs> and the person leading was a Christian. And he was a Jewish person who had gotten saved. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what's wrong with you? Scratch. <laughs> no, I was said to him, what's wrong with you? Like, don't you know you're Jewish? You can't do this. I argued with him. I said, you're Jewish. You're not supposed to be over here. Get on your side. <laughs> you're not supposed to be over here. And he thought that was funny. But anyway, so long story short, and the first time I heard the ironic blessing at the end, and I felt like water filling my soul. So God was using it because there were things that were in their blessings and stuff that were like, I was like, whoa, I'd never heard a blessing mm -hmm. said. And he said, they would say it at the end of the service, you know. And I was, so that was how I ended up there. And I said, Lord, this is the last church I will ever go to if this is not it. And this is where I, for the first time, I felt free. I became free to raise my hand while worshiping mm -hmm. because I had been in such a very um, restrictive <laughs> worship setting that um, I remember thinking, am I going to be killed for, you know, I'm going to worship my hand's still attached <laughs> <laughs> it's okay you can raise your hand and worship you know mm. so um so that's how i lived there and i was there a long time over 25 years you know got involved in ministry i mean to the point that i was doing the you know blessings on fridays and the this i was you know immersed in all that well you know we were doing everything we did all the holidays now it was you know jewish holidays and christian holidays we did you know messiah instead christmas and so I was going flat broke. We were mm. in debt. You know, Easter, <laughs> Resurrection Sunday, you know, Passover, all the, you know, things and all the Jewish holidays as well. Yeah. Um, but even in that, you know, people, because it's a system, even though they started off and the leaders were, I believe he was Christian, um, and he had that anointing on him. You could see Jesus is on him. Because of the system, um, I watched it kind of him fade away, yeah. go away, trying to become like a church, you know, that we all are used to. Uh, I watched that kind of go away, that he moved away from it. Mm -hmm. And as they moved away, you know, it became more just you're doing traditions, you're doing the motions, and that's it. Yeah. So at the, by 25, before that, I watched 
you know, a definite, it was just the religious system mm-hmm. that we were in. Okay, so back to mm-hmm. David. Yes. And how you met him and what came about from that. Okay, so um, he invites his teacher, uh, Brian, who does drink the cup. And it ties in, I knew the messianic stuff. So it tied in with that where it was about the marriage. Where, you know, if she drinks the cup, then they know she's saying yes Mm -hmm. to the marriage. If she doesn't, everybody continues partying, having a great time. (laughs) And so that was the first time I heard it tied into receiving Christ. Mm -hmm. Tied into that Jesus is basically telling you, come drink this cup, and it's a marriage cup. And that it's a covenant and that now he's going to give you his name. And you're no longer going to be who that person was. And if you drink that cup, you know, that was a covenant. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't seen marriages as a covenant. I'd see them more as like a torture chamber at the time. <laughs> um, you know, because I hadn't seen good marriages. I'd never seen any. Yeah. I just saw people enduring. <laughs> and... Uh, and he's presented that thing, and I was like, and I could see that he was definitely, Christ was in him. And I remember, well, I just want to be like near you. The couple of people I'd met who were like that, I just wanted to be near. Uh, one was um, Richard and Sabina, who'd been persecuted um, for Christ, for, and he was, had been imprisoned. And I remember being around him, and you could see literally a physical like halo over him. Because and but it's all over the whole body. It's not over just their head. Mm-hmm. And so when I was around people that knew Jesus, it was like it was emanating from their presence. And I wanted to just be near him. I remember standing. I didn't even know what to say to him other than hi. That was a good. That was a good word you gave. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I, let me just stand next to you because <laughs> maybe that'll rub off. <laughs> so anyway, so moving forward, you know, now they the people. From that first encounter, uh, I knew, I was like, well, I don't know what it is, but I'm desperate. Mm-hmm. And I'm free to worship, you know. So we just came to their house. We'd go to their house every Friday. And it was just a group of us just literally praying. And you were free to worship as long as it, forever long. And it was just awesome, mm-hmm. you know. And um, in that, you know, I guess they were forming their church or whatever, uh, or whatever it was, I didn't even know what it was. I just knew we we're here. <laughs> we get to worship Jesus and pray. Yeah. Um, this is awesome. <laughs> I'll just stay here and drink this all in. Um, I need this. Yeah. I'm desperate for this. And, uh, you know, my first encounter with uh, Brian, when his leader, when he spoke, he came back and he spoke to me. He said to me, I could see you're a deeply religious woman. And I was so crushed by that statement. I was thinking, nobody ever says that about me. They always say I'm a Christian. I could see you're a good Christian. And I was thinking, why would he say that? (laughs) Why would you call me deeply religious? Did you disagree? I just stood there because I never heard anybody say that to me. He said it very nicely. He didn't say it mean. He was just saying. Mm -hmm. That was it. And I was like, and that really was messing with my head now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and you know, and then I kept coming and I remember, uh, the first time experiencing deliverance. I didn't know what it was because the only thing I knew about deliverance was exorcisms and, 
you know, the once or twice my dad had done it at, you know, where we were growing up, he'd they'd get the kids out of the room. It was a scary thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the only thing I could think of was the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and so I didn't even know what was happening. And I remember, um, uh, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm trying to think, because I'm trying to say this, the right, <laughs> Nathan, um, you know, a co-labor in the faith. <laughs> um, he came over and he just, you know, he sat across from me and he's like, you know, he was just going to pray. Okay, this is great. And I noticed, you know, weird things are kind of happening to your body while he's praying. And I'm wondering what's wrong with me. Yeah. Like, what's going on? Why is your arm doing this? Why are you doing that? And it wasn't scary. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on. I, re- I never experienced this. So... And, you know, I'm crying and all this stuff. And, you know, you're like, I don't know, bent in interesting shapes. <laughs> and um, hanging over in the floor. I'm thinking, I didn't know. Part of my brain's going, I didn't know my body could do this, actually. <laughs> but, um, but I'm relaxed. And I kept thinking, but he wasn't yelling. He wasn't shouting. I actually feel at peace. Mm-hmm. This is not scary. You know, Leila was walking by with a baby. Nobody was, you know, people come. <laughs> and that was my first encounter seeing God that way. Mm. That he was actually powerful. That it was loving. It was peaceful. Even though all this stuff, you know, you, you know, devils are coming out. But um, yeah. I, I wasn't scared. It wasn't scary. It wasn't painful like that. It right. wasn't, it wasn't frightening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, okay, so what was, you know, I didn't even know what this was. You know, and, um, you know, and then I, like I said, kept calling, mm. kept calling David and arguing with him. So when, when do you think the arguing stopped? And, and follow up question, is that when, when you would say like the, so in the beginning when I asked like how long you've been saved, you said seven and a half to eight years. Do about you think nine, nine years, about nine. Okay. About nine. Yeah. Do you think that those nine years began once you stopped arguing with him? Like, how did, when did it, like, really Um, click? I would say, you know, people are telling me they love me. Mm -hmm. You know, three years in, uh, first three years, three, three and a half. I remember the first time I came, you know, we used to do what we call a deliverance packet. Mm -hmm. And I filled it all in. Mine was in microprint. I had so much stuff. I wrote all on the back. I wrote in all the margins. It was, you know, all over, filled in. Mm -hmm. And, um... I, nothing happened because that was before I actually, you know, I was sitting there scared thinking, oh my God, what's in me? Is it like aliens? Like, you know, what's <laughs> going on? What's going to happen? I'm sitting there like thinking, I don't know what these people are praying. You know, I don't know what they're surrounded. So nothing happened. Jesus was merciful, you know, like, oh, what's going on? They have you in a room. Hmm. <laughs> um, and um, nothing happened, but, but I kept coming. And people were saying they love me, but I had heard people tell me they love me most of my life and they had not loved me mm-hmm. okay so I didn't believe anybody and I had at that point you know I remember one of the things uh, pastor David ended up saying to me in one of our many conversations <laughs> was um you don't believe me you don't believe a man you need the Holy Spirit to confirm everything I said and I said yes that is right mm-hmm. I need the Holy Spirit to confirm it or tell me and you don't believe a person. And I didn't know that was a bad thing yeah. at that time. Because I thought, no, why would I trust a man? I've had no experience that would make me trust anybody. Mm-hmm. 
male or female. <laughs> so, so no, I'm, thank God God was talking to me. <laughs> so I would say I didn't believe them. And I said, you're going to have to prove you love me. And sometimes, some people, if you're like me, I'm going to put you through a test. So I was testing. I was, that's why I was arguing with him. I was like, will you still say you love me if I keep fighting you? Will you? I mean, I would do what they say, follow those instructions. But you'd say, you know, he would say one thing about it. I'd say, no, I don't think so. And then we'd start. <laughs> um, and, um, and the brethren, you know, we were all, we weren't brethren at that point, really, we were, um, they called us scrubs, and we were, <laughs> we were scrubs, um, and we deserved that title, <laughs> um, and we were ourselves, everybody was kind of not getting along anyway, mm -hmm. so we, so I was like, you know, and people would say, hey, love you, and I was thinking, yeah, sure, you're a liar, um, so I'm going to do everything to test your love, mm -hmm. will you still love me when I keep coming late? Not that I was doing it intentionally, but that was just what it was. I was locked out and everything. I'd still show up. Well, you still love me. You say you love me. You know, do you still love me? So it took me three and a half years to believe them, to believe that they actually love me. And once I really realized, it was suddenly like, like almost, and Jesus was working on me too at yeah. the same time. He kept me in the Song of Solomon, chapter one, with um, the... Uh, you know, following in the footsteps of the flock. And I can think, I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> Keep following in the foot. If you don't know what to do, you know, basically follow in the footsteps of the flock. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so it was, and so at that point, when I really believed it, was when I was now able to get real deliverance. I had had many deliverances up to that point, believe me, mm -hmm. to the point I was like, maybe I am not saved Every time people are praying, I'm on the floor, I'm this and that. <laughs> What's that? Maybe I'm not saved at all, Jesus. <laughs> and, um, you know, so it was that. So then I was ready, you know, and, and the Lord had me go into a fast for like three days prior. And then I had deliverance and salvation at the same time. And so it was David, Leila, Erica, and, um, you know, it was really salvation first. And that was where I really saw myself at the cross, you know, those sins being taken. And then deliverance naturally mm -hmm. came from that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so just going back really quickly, what happened when with, so, okay, so you got to a place, <laughs> I'm trying to bring it's it all together. <laughs> So you got to a place where you were like, okay, I'm done with marriage counseling. Oh, marriage oh with the marriage? Counseling, yes. Okay. And then was it, it was before that that you guys transitioned into the Messianic Church? Oh, um, we were marriage counselors throughout the whole Messianic Church experience. Okay. That's like 25 years. Right. We were in marriage counseling. Did we do any before that? No. Okay. No. Okay, um, in so, a previous church, no. So what ended up being the result when you said, okay, Lord, I'm giving this to you? Well, <laughs> he was prepping me for this transition <laughs> because I kept uh, getting the word from uh, one of my friends at the time who was a deaconess at the previous church. He kept saying, God is not going to put new wine into old wineskins because it will burst the old. And he has to put new wine in new wineskins. And I kept thinking, oh, 
God, there's something about to happen. I could feel it. My li- our lives were falling apart. Mm-hmm. Our house was in um, foreclosure and, you know, we were like six months behind. There was all, you know, the marriage was coming to an end, actually. And we were just, it was, it was just horrible. And I remember saying to the, the Lord at that point, I said, Lord, I've been trying to keep myself in you and I can't. I've been trying to stand the altar and I can't. And so I need you to keep me because I cannot keep myself. It didn't take me that long to realize that. And I said, and whatever is going to happen, because I can feel like, you know, you feel like the disaster is looming. (laughs) It's about to come, the wave, the smackdown is about to happen. And and I'm like, I knew I wasn't, I was thinking, I'm not going to survive this because I said, I'll run. I run. I'm good at running. <laughs> I run away. I run away by shopping. I ran away by, you know, hoarding. I ran away by a lot of things. And I said, I need you to keep me because I cannot keep myself. So this is before meeting David and Leila. This is right before. So they're the start of, you know, that wave was slowly building. And the uh, ex, um, so we were in bad straits. So now I come into, you know, I start uh, going to their home and everything else, and we're fellowshipping, and um, everything is falling apart. The ex, we're losing our house. The ex is uh, having affairs. He starts having affairs, but he's open about it. He's like, I'm, you know, he's looking for his next wife. Wow. He's telling me to my face. He's like, you know, I forgot what it's like to be so happy. I haven't been happy in years or whatever. And I'm sitting there. You know, the first time he told me that, it was devastating. You know, I'm sitting, made dinner, and you turn around and say, oh, and I go, are you involved with, you know, this particular person? Because I was like, that's why I didn't go over to the house, their house. And he's, you know, and he says, he finally says yes, and he's just happy to release this and tell me how happy he is now. And I, I, was, like, I, I was like, I can't eat. And the Holy Spirit, I remember the Holy Spirit kind of saying, you eat your food, you eat. I tasted nothing, <laughs> but you eat, you go and do what you're going to do. And he was following around while getting dressed, telling me about his relationship with this person. It was horrible. And I said, stop talking. I can't hear anymore. You've been talking for over an hour about how happy you are. So that ended up not being the person. So then he went to another, he went to a divorce group while we were married. I said, where are you going? I'm going to a divorce group. I said, but you're not divorced or married to try to find the next person. At a divorce group. Yes, at a, at yeah, a church, of course. No, at a church. <laughs> divorce group, divorce circle. And I said, but you're still married as he's walking out the door and driving off. And I'm like, okay. So Jesus was also using that to draw me to himself. It sounded, it was horrible. It was painful. But yet he was shielding me from a lot of the pain. Yeah, I was feeling it, but I was like, you know, I'm talking to you. Um, and because I was a believer, and um, that was the second one, I think the second affair, she's the one he ended up marrying. So now he wants to rush and get married. We had separated at one point, we had separated, so he wasn't in the house. We lost the house, the dog dies. We had two dogs, one dies as we move, one dies when we get there. My son is not, you know, he's he came in, he's the one who came in first to the felt, you know our community and stuff and he's off yeah he's the one who 
he was being groomed to be uh, a pastor at the old congregation. And when he, when we came and we heard drink the cup and everything else, he was done. He wrote out his letter, <laughs> goodbye. He was stepped down from everything. They weren't seeing him again. Wow. And I'm, I'm yeah. like, no, I don't do things like that. I need, this is a life-changing decision. I need, you know, because I realize that it was a life-changing decision. And I said, I'm not smart enough. I went to the Lord. I'm not smart enough to make those kind of decisions. I need you to direct this. So I was doing both for the first three and a half years here. I was three going to my I was going to my old congregation and I was coming. And they knew that. So they were <laughs> like, You sneaking in you look I would put on shades and I had they're like, You look like you're sneaking in here, you know, and I would come <laughs> late sometimes. I missed the whole, you know, it was just a whole there's a whole lot to the story. But um I I ended up because I wasn't sure where, and everybody's, you know, just write the letter, you should go, you know, you know, where are you being fed and da 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 and I'm like I can't make those kind of life. This is a life-changing decision. And I've obviously made poor decisions up to this point. And so I was like, so I'm hanging on, mm -hmm. trying to stay, juggle both. And the old place, they're offering a, kind of like a compromise. They're trying to say, well, if you just show up here once a month and don't tell anybody that you're doing this other thing, you know, because I was telling them. I was telling them, you know, I'm, I, I was, because I was, I was always open yeah. and honest. So I was telling them, hey, you know, I'm going, no, we're having real fellowship. We're, you know, praying. They're having all this stuff. And I'm telling them everything, you know, like, yeah. And that's not fellowship what you're doing back there. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's not fellowship. What are they eating or drinking? What's that? That's not fellowship. Like, we're doing this and doing that. And they're hearing me telling all this stuff. And I said, we don't do that. We don't, you know, and meanwhile, they're kind of going off on the deep end, too. And, um, my, uh, so, yeah, my son was already there and everything else. And I remember our first time coming, we fought because we were late and they had locked us out. And he's like, don't stay. And I was like, no, we should stay. And he was like, no. And we ended up going home. And I said, I'm not doing that again. We were going to stay. Okay. Because I don't care. They have Jesus in there. And I'm, I need him. Amen. I'm desperate. Okay. <laughs> so I'll be sitting out on their driveway. I'm going to get everybody's phone numbers. I'll be texting people because somebody's going to let me in, which they didn't. Didn't, they, they didn't every once in a while a, a side door was unlocked occasionally i'd get in mm -hmm. earlier than they wanted me to get in and they'd be like how'd you get in here i was like i'm not saying anything <laughs> i'm here <laughs> okay so i was like late or not i am desperate i'm a woman dying here i'm a woman in i know i'm jacked up mm -hmm. i know i'm messed up i know i'm I, everything's wrong <laughs> i'm aware of that but i need i'm desperate you have Jesus is in there. Oh, well, I'll sit out on your drive. I will sleep on your driveway, you know. And how I saw it in the spirit for me was I was seeing it as though I was like, you know, the little dog for the little spot dog with the little mm -hmm. circle around his eye. And that I was hanging on to the edge of Jesus's garment and he was walking and he's swinging <laughs> in the breeze. <laughs> and I'm just holding on with my teeth just like that. And I was like, yeah, because my life was being destroyed. Mm -hmm. Everything I knew. And everything that God had not given me was being taken. And so the ex became the ex because he wanted out. And as I was pressing closer to Christ, he wanted out. Mm -hmm. So he eventually, you know, married uh, the other person. He divorced me. I said, I'm not divorcing you. And I remember saying those words. I'm like, 
Who said that? <laughs> I'm not divorcing you. And he was like, you know, you need to find somebody else. I said, I'm not doing that. And the Holy Spirit gave me a chance. I really held nothing against him. The Holy Spirit gave me a chance to see what his, it would be like for him in hell. He said, this, it was like as though he kept telling me, this is a lost soul going to hell. And that even if he had killed me, hell would be far worse for him than anything he could have done to me. So I had nothing, I mean, I literally, so every time I was seeing him and he's arguing, he's saying, none of it was affecting me anymore because I was literally looking at him, seeing, oh my God, this is a lost soul going to hell. You, you know, you're in trouble. Yeah. You're in trouble. And so he was arguing, you know, all the old stuff didn't work anymore. I wasn't even moved by it, you know, uh, because I was just, that was what I kept seeing, you know, and um, yes, he eventually, you know, left he married the other person and everything else and i said it's your divorce i'm not forcing you do whatever you have to do um and you know that's a whole story in itself there's some miracles in there but but um uh how god did it and i remember talking with um you know uh, brian and he said that uh he asked me he said well was he saved i said no you know neither of us had been saved we you know and so, so he said, well, then, you know, I was under that clause where if the unbeliever chooses to depart, let them depart. You're under no obligation. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm not trying to keep you, you know, you go and do you. But I told him, just remember, once you go, the door, you know, it's no coming back. And I, and I remember telling him too, I said, and once you leave, you know, the covering is off of you. <laughs> there's no covering on you there's no protecting i kept thinking like jesus was going to kill him um you know like a, like a shoe was waiting to go boom <laughs> i was thinking and that was part of my fear too i was like oh you, you, jesus is going to kill him he's going to kill yeah. him for all he's done he's going to die um i know that's not what happened there were judgments that fell i did see him the other day um there were a lot of physical uh, things manifest in him and um you know, there's a lot of, you know, aging being one of them, but also not aging well. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. So that's what happened. Um, just out of curiosity, did have you ever shared the gospel with him? Like, I know that you yes. guys went, okay. Yeah, I shared the gospel. I prayed over him, like healing. He had some injury with his leg. I was like, oh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Let me, you know, once I was saved, then yeah. Yeah, I did. I shared the gospel with him. I prayed healing over him. I met the new wife and everything else. And I had nothing against her. I'm like yeah. hugging her. She's all like freaked out. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm great. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and has there ever been repentance there for him? For me? For him? For him? For him this, has he ever repented? Yeah. He's never acknowledged any of this. Wow. It was, and my son explained it to me because I couldn't understand that. Um, he said, well, it's like you were in a, it's, he said, it's as though he took a file drawer and you and the marriage were in it. And he said, he closed that drawer and he's opened the new one. So it's like, it's done. Mm -hmm. He doesn't, you know, no, 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 you know. That's interesting. Yeah. I was like, well, cause you know, um, how should we put this? Some schizophrenia and mm -hmm. other stuff was going on as well. This was not a well person. Mm -hmm. So I had to deal with, um. Uh, sometimes they manifest as what they would call a dry drunk, where you never see them drink alcohol, but they function like mm -hmm. an alcoholic. So I was living with somebody who you 
didn't know yeah. I was going to go. What advice would you have for someone who is trying to find Jesus while also going through some of the things that you went through, whether that's, you know, what happened in your childhood or maybe the abusive relationship where, like, the home is just dysfunctional? Mm. What advice do you have for someone who has to endure through that while also looking and finding Jesus? Well, I would say humble yourself Mm. is the first thing. Um, that was, you know, that was one of the things, acknowledge your weakness, acknowledge that you cannot get yourself out of that situation, acknowledge whatever it is you're feeling, the anger, the hurt, because I would always tell the Lord exactly, even, even things I felt against him, mm-hmm. I was saying it. And, and I think this starting in that place of honesty, but also of humility, where he's the only one who can save you out of that situation. He was the only one who could bring me through what I went through, um, you know, I didn't, you know, go into any details of the depths of this, but um, what I went through for almost 35 years, being married to this person. And I wouldn't divorce him because I was like, no, that's not, I can't do that. I'm going to stand on what I know is to be the right thing, uh, you know. And I would say that God is going to bring you through it, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe rescue you from it at some point, but he's going to bring you through it. But it's really believing him, believing that he is everything he says. Now, you know, now, you know, I've come into, you know, starting to really see how big he is, how powerful he is. And I can look back at some of those times and I see where he was pulling me through the breadcrumbs, the miracles or different things he did to keep me going. Even like I said that first time saying that's not, what I say about you saying that it's shouting that he had to shout over him shouting (laughs) into my right ear that that's not what I say about you. And everything my ex was saying, God was refuting Mm. and I was stunned, but then he never did that because I was suddenly like, God doesn't think that about me. And I remember at that moment in that abusive moment, uh, lifting my head and staring him in the eye for the first time, like, God doesn't think that about me. That's all I was thinking. So he never physically did that again. I had no more physical violence from him like that. Mm. Now, did I handle the situation well? No. Okay, I had moments I blew up. I would be, you know, crazy too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, it did come to kind of a head. I had moments, you know, where I lost it. I remember throwing things at him and everything (laughs) and all this stuff. Um, and, you know, and then, you know, you hear almost the devil's voice saying, oh, and you call yourself a Christian, because that would be yeah. the time when he would say that. You've tortured me for five hours. <laughs> I finally blow it, lose it. And then you go, and now, and, and you sit there and go, and you call yourself a Christian. And I'm thinking, that's the voice of the devil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, because, you know, you pushed, you pushed me beyond. I'm sleep deprived. I'm going to sleep with the sound of you calling me all sorts of things in my ear at one, two in the morning, getting up early, I'm the, everything, and then you have the nerve when I blow up finally. Right. You get a reaction, and now I'm the bad person. No, I'm, you call yourself, wait, wait a minute, didn't you call yourself a Christian too? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, um, but that's what I would say, that they really present that, but present themselves, because God was also changing me. Mm-hmm changing me you know when I look back at it he was changing me he was bringing out strength I didn't know I had to endure 
he was bringing out, you know, tenacity and strength and all these things that how else are you going to get there? Mm. Unless you endure something, you know, yeah. unless you survive testing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Who do you know God to be? Hmm. The almighty, all powerful, but yet savior, mm. you know, intimate in that way. One of the things I had asked, I said, Lord, when, you know, I had never slept alone because I was shared a bed with a sister or somebody and I, you know, a husband. And I, the first time, the first night I was going to be alone. And I remember saying, Lord, I need to, I need it to be as though that there's no issue being alone for the first time in my life. And there wasn't. And I said, and I need you to be, you know, Ishi for me, husband. I need you to cover me in a way the even the desires the sexual desires i need you to hold them until such time as you know i need them mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean i have little moments with him but he really like held all of that and i watched god take better care of me than when i was ever married my life is so much better than when i was married you know, I watched him bringing me out of debt, bringing me out of all sorts of things, all sorts of traps, all sorts of things set to ensnare me. My ex had also left me with most of the debt and bills. I didn't know we owed tax money, all sorts of stuff. Um, and I watched God just take me out of that. So I see him as deliverer, as savior, as healer. Um, there were a lot of physical illnesses from going through all of this. I was got pneumonias and bronchitises and, you know, I was heavy and overweight and, um, and he just, you know, layer by layer was healing all of that. The struggle with lateness, because I knew it was demonic as well as, you know, character issues. <laughs> um, and he, you know, so I see him as healer. I see him as close. I see him as um, the one who's extended mercy and grace and love and favor over me, which I ask for. Every day I say, Lord, I base myself before you and I, I need your mercy. I need your sept of mercy and your grace and love over me that I could do your will do your ways I see him as one who is intimate and yet big and mighty and powerful and one who I'm afraid of <laughs> at the same time <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, healthy that's fair good, yeah. um, in a good way healthy, yeah. <laughs> healthy um, or fear. yeah fear but I finally came to the place where I saw that his love, he really doesn't want us to perish. Because mm-hmm. for the longest time, I was sure, you know, maybe you're just trying to take us out. You just don't do it so slow. Just do it quick then, okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, and realizing that those were all lies, mm-hmm. that that was not who he was. So I had never, you know, until I started, you know, he dismantled a lot of those structures, a lot of those strongholds, a lot of those belief systems, uh, those things I used to believe about him. He, you know, dismantled them and because he was revealing himself to me and the one who wants to and the one who wants to embrace and keep you uh, safety, everything, everything, you know, and also bring you into relationship and, you know, with him himself as well as with others. The only thing I would say for those who are new and younger is... Uh, being humble first, it gets you there. It gets you that closeness sooner. Um, admitting that we are weak and he's strong, it doesn't mean I sit there and do nothing, but it does mean that I trust him and trust the process 
everybody he brings through a different process to get to know him. So even if it's difficult, you stay. Even though coming into the community was difficult because I didn't have like friends or family here. It was, I'm the stranger. Um, I stayed, even though I felt I had to fight against feelings of rejection because I had had lots of rejection my whole life. And even if some of it, you know, was my own perceived rejection, I still kept coming. And I thought, even if they don't talk to me, Jesus is here, and that's who I'm here for. So even if you don't like me, I don't even care any at this point. <laughs> I mean, I care, but I don't care at <laughs> the same time. Uh, so staying, you know, because it's a painful process, and what Jesus does is, I found, is many times he, he takes away everything the enemy gave us and, and starts us over, mm. starts us over. So it you know, especially initially when you come in, you, you know, everything, you lose <laughs> everything, you lose everything because it's literally lose your life to find it. Well, that's that. Okay. That's right. it. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Lily Podcast. For a while, I have been wanting to put out a call to salvation and the call to salvation begins with the gospel. The gospel says that God became man in Jesus Christ, that Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life, the life that we were all supposed to live, and he died the death that we are all deserving of due to our sin. Three days later, he rose again, proving that he is the Son of God, offering the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins to all those who would repent and believe in him. If you have not answered the call to salvation and you want to answer the call to salvation, please fill out the form below and let's see if I can get you connected with disciples in your local area so that you can get started on your journey with Christ. If you have answered that call to salvation but you haven't been activated in the Great Commission, you can use that same form below and I can get you connected with disciples in your local area that can show you how to get activated and get involved in the work that God left us here to do. The Great Commission says, go therefore, preaching the gospel, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey the things that God has commanded us. As Christians, we have a work here on this earth. So if you haven't been activated, use that form below and let's get you activated. Once again, I'm so grateful and I really do appreciate your support. Thank you for tuning in and meet us back here next week because we will be dropping a new episode every Friday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your support.